0: You're listening to a sermon from St John's Anglican in Cranbourne. To find out more about us, head to cranbourneanglican.org.au. Well, I wonder whether you grew up doing a nativity play kind of like that uh, in its various different forms. Uh, Perhaps yours was a little bit more ordered, I don't know. Uh, But certainly I grew up doing nativity plays and I was always excited about it. I wonder, who did you want to be when you... Uh, did that if you grew up with that which character did you most want to be there was there was mary the center of attention and you you know you get to hold a little baby and and be right next to the manger did you want to be did you want to be mary or joseph were you more the strong silent type you like to be at the center of attention but not have to learn any lines Were, were you more like the joseph type or did you want to be an angel? I mean, you really can't go past tinsel and wings, can you? Like, you, you want to be an angel. Or did you want to be uh, the wise men, the magi? Uh, because they got to wear exotic clothing and got to have that air of... Uh, 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 I don't even know what it is. That, that air of substance, kingliness, regality. Thank you. Uh, did you want to be one of the wise men or the shepherds? Not many people wanted to be the shepherds, certainly for me growing up, although you did get to be in charge of the animals. And that's usually where I came in, growing up. When it came to the nativity, uh, I remember... There are two nativities I particularly remember that I was involved in. And uh, the first one, I was a very little tacker and uh, it was captured on film. I actually wanted to get a copy of this for you this morning, but uh, probably, blessedly, I, it's, it's irretrievable. Uh, but I was like three years old, and I was a sheep. I had a lammy strapped to my back, and I was the vaguest sheep in history. Like, I, I was just doing somersaults in the foreground while all the action was happening. As I got older... Uh, I really graduated, so as I got older, a little bit bigger, was able to carry people like my younger sister on my back, I graduated to being the back end of a donkey, (laughs) Uh, so that was marvellous, I I really enjoyed that. But whatever you were, or whatever you think you would like to be in the nativity, there was always someone in the back, arranging things, someone behind the scenes, usually the Sunday school teacher, carefully arranging the characters, putting them all just in the right place around the manger so that you had that wonderful Christmas tableau. The end-of-year nativity is always carefully arranged and orchestrated. Well, almost always. The first Christmas was just as carefully arranged and orchestrated. It was no accident that actually each of them were in the picture, were part of the story of the first nativity. Uh, And each of them, as they come around the manger, is there for a very particular purpose. Each of them has something to tell us about what was happening on that glorious as we In the centre is the child, in the centre is the proud parents and in any birth story you kind of expect them to be there. You've got a mum and you've got a dad and you've got a little baby. That's, that's how the birth story happens. But, but what are all the rest doing? What are they doing there? I think sometimes we are so familiar or can be so familiar with the Christmas story that we forget to stop and think what on earth are they doing here at this birth? What are they doing here? Well, there's the angels. They're in every nativity, shining away and singing. Uh, They certainly add a whole lot of colour and sparkle, don't they? But actually, if you think about it, it's it's pretty strange. Uh, Certainly had no angels sparkling at any of the births of any of my five children, Uh, at least not that I saw. Why are they there? Well, to answer that, we have to look at what are they doing? What are they doing? They're powerful, terrifying warriors of light. Sometimes our nativities cloud that fact. But what are they doing in the vicinity of Bethlehem? Angel literally means messenger. When they speak, it's not with their own words, but the words of God himself. And they speak of what God has done and what he will do. They're, in some ways, the backstage directors telling the characters where to go, including them in the story, making sure they're at the right place at the right time. Uh, They're telling Mary of the child. They're reassuring Joseph. They're encouraging him to go ahead and marry Mary. Uh, They're telling the shepherds to leave their sheep and go and see what God is doing in Bethlehem. What's the point? God knows these people. And he speaks to them. He knows Mary, he knows Joseph, and he knows each shepherd. He knows exactly where they were going to be that day, on what hill they were going to be looking after the sheep. He knows them and he speaks his plan to them and directs them in their part of it. God's not distant, but he's actually intimately involved with the world. When the angels speak, they speak God's words. And God speaks to you too. He knows you too. And as God continues to unfold his plan for the redemption of the world, for the judgment of sin, for the increase of holiness and hope in this world, he speaks his plan to you and he directs you and you're part of it. I wonder are you listening? Perhaps it was easier for the shepherds. I mean, they couldn't but listen to the angels as they're there in glory uh, telling out the message. Sometimes we need to listen a little bit more carefully to hear God directing us in the story of his plan that's still unfolding today and our part in it. What else are the angels doing? Well, they're also communicating the glory of God. When they shine... It's not with their own glory, but actually with the reflected glory of God himself. And so they show us something of God's glory. When they finish giving their message to the shepherds, it's almost as if they can't any longer hold back their excitement at what they're saying and what they're directing them to, and they just burst out. Suddenly there was, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he favors. God is doing something so wonderful, so marvelous. He's going <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I got too excited. He's going to bring you peace. Oh, you shepherds, isn't that exactly what you need? You need peace. God is so good. The angels are there in the nativity to tell us that there is a heaven, that we worship a God who speaks and a God who is active in putting his plan into effect. A God who is glorious and worthy of all praise. But why did they appear to the shepherds? Why to shepherds? Why not to kings or to priests? Uh, why not in the temple, the place of faith, rather than in a field? Why not in a palace rather than a pasture. Uh, You know, the shepherds in the nativity scene, they looked nice, and it's lovely to have the sheep and everything, but they looked nice, but they weren't nice. Uh, They were on the bottom rung of the Palestinian social ladder. Uh, They were considered as bad as tax collectors, and they didn't even have the benefit of being rich for it. So notoriously bad were shepherds that they weren't even allowed to testify in courts of law. Their word was considered so unsafe. And so, why were they singled out to witness the very glory of God, to hear God's greatest birth announcement, to be sung to by the host of heaven itself? They're not worthy of that. And that's the point. That's the point. From the very beginning, Jesus was moving among the lowly. He came to the unworthy. He comes to seek and save the lost. Isn't it significant that as we look at the nativity, there's not one of the religious leaders, not one of the great of the day. They're totally absent from the story, but there are shepherds there. God the Father, I think, is making a point as he carefully brings together this first nativity, the healer. He's the healer who comes for the broken. I'm here to take the sin of sinners. Not just to Mary and Joseph, but to you is born this day a saviour. You need a saviour. God knows that these shepherds needed a saviour. Just as he knows each of us needs a saviour. I wonder if sometimes you feel unworthy, Maybe there are days even where you come through the door of the church and you feel I'm I'm not worthy to come before God. I'm not. I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm. I'm not something enough. Well, the whole point is the whole message is, God came because no, you're not worthy, and yet you're loved. No, you're not as talented and amazing as you might be, but you're loved. And you are made in the image of God and so you're noble and you're glorious and you have a purpose and God has come not because of anything you are but because he loves you and delights to redeem and strengthen and bless you. The whole point of the shepherds is that you can come no matter who you are to meet this child. Well, lastly, uh who do we have in our nativity? Let's have a look. It's, of course, the Magi. The Magi. The gate crashes. Uh, the Magi, possibly three or maybe more wise people, or possibly kings. They're the gate crashers because, like I said, actually in the Bible they only turn up about two years later, and they're nowhere near the manger. Uh, the Bible actually says they come to the house in which they're living. And he's a little toddler Jesus when they come. But they're there in the nativity. They're part of the Christmas story. And God certainly brought them along. But why are they there? Why are these strange travellers who come all this way to offer gifts to this foreign toddler? Why, why is that happening? Why does God go to so much trouble? He does go to a lot of trouble to bring them there, doesn't he? He rearranged the heavens. He gave them a guiding light. A star that dances ahead of them, shining out the joy. The king is here. The king is here. Why would God go to such trouble? Picking out these people from another land to come and meet his son. They're not even part of God's people. What do they have to do with Israel's God? And again, that is the point, isn't it? That's the point. God's plans were always much bigger than the country and people of Israel. In Isaiah 60, God had said, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. The Magi are so carefully placed in the picture to make a point. God is not just for the Jews, indeed He's not just for the English or the Australian. He's for the East as well as the West. His plan encompasses the world. And so from the very beginning of this story, God was inviting people to travel across the world to meet his son. Well, perhaps that's happened for you. Perhaps you travelled across the world to meet his son. Uh, Perhaps you're here this morning, you're from another country and God's brought you here, perhaps even here this morning to meet his son. Or maybe you've always lived here but you've never really seen yourself as religious, Uh, never really felt like you belonged to God's people and not sure if you ever really wanted to. But then there's something that's drawn you, it's a light, it's a hope, a curiosity. Uh, Perhaps this morning you came, even though you didn't know it, to meet Jesus. Jesus. Just as God drew those Magi all those years ago to a a small and unknown part of the world to meet a child who was going to change the world and change you. I wonder who you wanted to be in the Nativity. I wonder who you are. As you gather around the manger this Christmas, God knows us and he speaks his words to us and tells us of his glory and his goodness. God comes to save the unworthy and the lowly, to bring his grace and forgiveness indeed to us all. God draws people from across the world and those far away from him and includes them, in fact, includes us all in his story. Who are you as you gather around his manger this morning? Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, for some of us, this is a story we've known all our lives, perhaps for many years. Uh, We've seen the people around the manger And Father, we pray as we come to celebrate you this Christmas that we might see not just the people around the manger but what you are saying. To listen to the announcement of the angels, to hear your glory sung as they sing, to see your grace and your loving kindness in the people of the shepherds, uh, to see your Grace that is for the entire world as we see the Magi. And Father, help us to see ourselves there. Our oh Lord, you have drawn us, perhaps not by a star, and yet by your light, to come and see your Son. Help us to see and hear you and the glorious thing you're doing in this world, even now, because of that day, so many. D- years ago. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.